Would you pray with me one more time, pray with and, and for all of us, the preacher and those who will hear the word of God. Holy Father, we come to you in the name of your Son. What an amazing thing that you have called us into Christ Jesus by his blood, by his blood. And we have this morning, Father, the unspeakable privilege of opening your word. And so we ask, even plead, that you would be in it, that you would help the one who preaches to keep from error and stop the ears of those who listen from hearing it. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. If you have a Bible with you, would you open to the fifth chapter of First Thessalonians? Thessalonians chapter five. We're going to I'm going to be looking at considering two verses, verses twelve and thirteen. I've entitled the message this morning The Care and Feeding of Elders. Titles are always a strange thing, aren't they? I can always assign a title to a message, and within five minutes of preaching the message, I can think of three more titles that would have been better. I wrote that one out and said, I'm going to leave it alone. Let's, let's read the Word of God, and may I ask that we stand one more time in honor of the sacred Word of Scripture. These are the words of God. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. All of God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. I want to share a secret with you to start with that maybe most of you aren't aware of. Um, The devil absolutely hates your elders with a passion. I don't know if you knew that or not. He hates all of you because he hates Jesus. But he reserves a special kind of hatred for the elders. He is absolutely bent on their destruction. And he will use whatever means he can get his hands on to do it. Doesn't matter, he's got an open toolbox. He'll use the man's family. He will use his friends. And he, listen, he absolutely loves to use God's people against their own elders. He will use them to get the man out of the ministry and cause as much damage to the church and as much reproach to the name of Jesus Christ as he possibly can. That's his life's goal. 
Listen, the church has an implacable enemy in Satan that does not sleep. It never stops. It is relentless. And he is bent on the destruction of the church of Jesus Christ. So, how do we resist him? I believe at the heart of this passage this morning that there... There is a lot here to unpack and, and, and there's this feeling that as I enter into the passage, I'm, I feel like I'm failing and I haven't even started. And yet I know one thing. We're called to resist him. We're called to resist the devil. In resisting the devil, which is, again is our call, what, it, what is to be our relationship with those who are, who are over us? How do we care for them? How do we care for them? The Bible is replete with one another passages that tell us we are to love one another, right? We are to respect one another. We're to forgive one another. There are lots of one another passages in the Bible, and, and I trust you all have spent an inordinate amount of time in learning how the Christian is to love one another and strengthen the bonds of love in the church. But how do we care for the elders? How do we love them? How do we how do we honor them? How do we keep this being, this evil being that hates the church, hates Christ, and hates your pastor from destroying his ministry and doing damage to all of you. Well, I first want to say this as an umbrella kind of over the passage and over the subject, and it's this. If, if we, that's elders included, if we, the church, practice consistently treating one another with love, Intentionally. Treating one another as better than ourselves with, with respect and deference and kindness and forgiveness and patience and forbearance, then, listen, then it will become very natural to not only treat one another in that manner, but to treat your elders in the same way. Elders are a part of the body. And so if we will practice those things intentionally, it will go a long way to how we respect and treat our elders. There's a great passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and, and, and I trust you're all familiar with it too, and it says this in verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. By the way, if you're looking for a passage that is an assurance of salvation passage, there aren't many better than that. God the Holy Spirit has been placed on you, dear Christian, as a seal. Let someone try to break that seal. Amen? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. I, I will admit, I've, this is my first Sunday here, but 
when I heard that a family was leaving this fellowship, we feel that too. We, we feel the need to be kind as, as elders because we watch the effect of kindness between, one, between all of you. The Spirit of God, as He works out that sanctification in the believer and He affects kindness in your relationships, builds and strengthens the church. You want to irritate the devil? Love one another. Be kind. Genuinely kind. Tender-hearted. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. That's an ongoing, continuous attitude of forgiveness. Isn't it? As God in Christ forgave you. There's the bar. You see, it's that kind of love when it is practiced in the church consistently that will stop the wicked plans of the evil one. All that by way of introduction. I want to, I want to begin to work my way through this simple and direct text. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. It's interesting, this this word for respect is actually a word, the word oida in Greek. It simply means to know, in, to know something, right? To know or, or to know about something. And I was curious, why would Paul use the word know Better yet, why would the English translators respect translate the word oida as respect when it actually means to know? Well, the, the King James translators render it this way. It says in the KJV, and we beseech you, brethren. By the way, don't you just love that old King James language? Blesses my heart. We say that in the South, just bless his heart. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Well, I read that in the King James. And said, well, that's still no help. Why does Paul take the word oida and why does he use it here? Why do the English translators in the ESV translate it in respect? Well, Leon Morris, great commentary on on this passage says this, the apostle asks them to know their leaders, where the verb here has the idea of knowing fully, appreciating their true worth. It indicates that the brothers had not realized as they should have the rightful position and worth of the people in question, and they are called to know them better, to know them better. Same idea appears in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says this, Remember your leaders. Remember. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. Another great passage that helps us understand what it means to, to know them, to respect them, is Romans thirteen seven. And it's a passage that we usually refer to in the context of governing authorities. Everybody knows about Romans 13, right? At least I hope you do. 
But I believe that it should also apply to pastors. And it says this, pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and respect, this is good, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. You see, the people of God owe respect and honor to those who are pastors and elders. Recognize them, know them, respect them in honor of their labor and the office they hold, and most importantly, because of the Christ whom they serve. Amen, somebody. Right? That's the job we have. Respect and honor them because they serve God's people in, in love. It, it is one of, the, one of those things that is both a blessing and difficult at the very same time that, that we grow to love our people. We grow to love our church. I'm so tickled pink to be here this morning, but I'm missing my church. Amen? I miss my peeps. Got a note from Naomi Briggs this morning. Praying for you, Uncle Alan. I am both her pastor and her uncle by adoption. She, the family adopted Lisa and I quite a number of years ago. Miss my church. I love them. You see... We love and respect and honor our elders and pastors because of the ministry of the word of, and of the ministry of prayer and of spiritual oversight that they labor in in our churches. In truth, we are to honor Christ by honoring those whom God has placed in his church to feed and care for us and to nurture and to watch over us to pour their lives into us for our sanctification that we might grow up into the image of Christ. That's what we're headed for, the image of Christ. You see, the longer a Christian walks with God, the less he wants to be like himself and more like Jesus. I will say to my wife on occasion, I'm so glad for Sunday because by the time I hit Sunday, I've had enough of me. I've had six days of me. I'd like to sit at the feet of Jesus for a day and take a day off from me. The elders, pastors who preach and teach the word of God are vested in the interest of growing their people up to be like him. Someone says, well... What about the man himself? I get we're to honor and to love and to respect the men whom God has placed in our churches to preach and teach the word of God and to care for the souls of the flock. But what about the man himself? Well, I don't believe the passage is so much about the man himself, though it is in a sense about the man because his character must fall in line with Titus and 1 Timothy. We would all agree with that. As it is that he does the work of God, the work of God among the people of God. 
The elder is God's man doing God's work among the people of God. God has set apart overseers for the work, for God's work of the ministry of God. Second, the position and place of the elder. The position and the place of the elder. Paul says, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. I believe the first person or second person plural pronoun is on purpose. The you is the local church. The local church. You see, God has not given the church popes with blanket authority over the lives of all Christians. We're not Roman Catholics, we're Reformed Baptists. Elders and pastors are not overseers over the members of other churches. They are to labor among the people of God in the local church where God has placed them. And they are to be overseers of the people of God in the local church. This church body, this church family, God has given men whom he specifically placed here and gifted to be here among you, to minister to you. That's personal, isn't it? That's personal. G.K. Beale, professor of New Testament and Biblical Theology, puts it this way. He says, church leaders are not autonomous sovereigns, but represent Jesus' authority. I hope so. In and of myself, in and of themselves, the elders in a church, in a local church, possess no intrinsic authority. The spiritual authority that God has vested in us to care for the souls and to minister to the people of God is a derived and delegated authority, isn't it? It's not something we take to ourselves, and it's certainly not something we lord over anyone. And yet, it is, according to the scriptures, a spiritual authority. There is a local church sphere of authority that is both spiritual and physical in nature. It is first a spiritual authority, and secondly, it is very much a physical authority. There are real people and real souls to whom we have been given a charge, over whom we are responsible for the care and the feeding. By the way, this is one of the reasons that the ministry of the Word is so critical in the life of a church. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that we do not give an elder in another church the honor and respect due him because of the office and the work he does. But his spiritual authority, again, is delimited by God in the sphere of the local church because of the care and feeding of the sheep is to be exercised in the place where God has centered him, where he's put him, where he's placed him. He's put elders in this church to feed you. That's their task. That's what they labor over. And by the way, the CEO model of a pastor can't do that. He can't do that. 
He can't do that because the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word and the ministry of the word takes place both from behind a pulpit and in person. Through the counsel of the word. Through the spoken word. Through the word in prayer as he prays through and for his congregation. One of the habits I have, and I trust these men have the same habit, is that all of the names of all of the people in my church are on my prayer list and they are prayed for continually. You see, the devil isn't the only one at war. Amen. Thirdly, the response of the church to the elders is to be a respectful and loving submission to the spiritual authority that God has given to elders. Hebrews 13, 17 is really, really clear on this great passage. Obey your leaders and submit to them for, and here's the reason why, for they are keeping watch over your souls. They're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You see, the imperative here is to submit to them because they watch over your souls. So we who are in the church demonstrate due honor for an elder by our godly submission to their loving authority as God's under shepherds. As God's under shepherds, as servants of Christ, because they're watching over your souls. By the way, dear Christian, I, I, I would ask this. Can you tell me of a better task in this life than the watch care of the souls of God's people? In fact, I would submit to you that the job of the President of the United States pales in comparison to the task of Jesus Christ to, to watch over the souls of God's people. One of the ways you learn ministry is when you have for a number of years watched over the soul of a dear brother or sister and you've counseled with them and you've preached the word of God to them and you've sat with them and you've prayed with them and then you bury them. It is then that you know that you love them. The man of God the elder that God has placed in the local congregation has been put there to watch over your soul. Well, because they watch over your souls. By the way, is there anything more precious than your soul? May I submit to you, that's why you're here. That's why you trusted in Christ. Because you know there is a day when we will stand before the judgment seat of God. And that's what makes your soul so important. They watch over your souls. Well, because they watch over our souls, we are submit to submit to them and to obey them in the Lord. The Greek dictionary opens up the meaning of this word for us, the word for obey, and it says it is to believe in something or someone to the extent of placing reliance or trust in them. 
placing reliance or trust in them. We are to have a loving, trusting, respectful, and reliant obedience to the elders of the local church whom God has placed over us, and we are to submit to their leadership because God has placed them there. And I would say this, we want to do it in a way that spares them grief. We want to make it a joy for them to serve God's people and not an occasion for grief or groaning, as the text says. We also want to obey them because, as Paul tells us, they watch over our souls as those who must give an account. It is one of the most scary things to me that I will stand one day before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the watch care of the souls over which God has put me in the ministry. I will give an account before the throne of Jesus Christ for the preaching of the word and for the ministry that he entrusted me with. We who are the under-shepherds of God in the local church and who are entrusted with the word of the living God and the watch care of the souls of the people of God will give an account before his throne. I thought it might be helpful to share with you some of the things for which we will give an account. Number one, did we preach the word faithfully? Did we feed the sheep? Did we feed God's people faithfully and honestly? You cannot be a faithful minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and neglect the word. Paul told Timothy to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season. Say the hard things as as long as scripture says them. Encourage, rebuke, admonish, teach the word of God. Teach people the wisdom of God in the entirety of the scriptures. And that's both Old and New Testament. Teach them the law of God. Teach them the law of God. Teach them the character of God and teach them the nature of man so that they will appreciate the character and the law of God. Did we love the people of God? You cannot exercise, listen, you cannot exercise the ministry of the word. You cannot watch over the souls of the people to whom God has entrusted your ministry if you will not endeavor to love the people of God. Did we love them? Ours is not only to love the people of God, but to be a model of the love of God. We're to model that love. We're to exhibit that love to get to know our people and to care for them. Did we, did we model that enduring and steadfast love for Jesus? Did we love Jesus? It's the greatest commandment ever given to men to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the elder cannot do that if he does not love the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we gospel men? Are we a gospel man? This is so critical to our labor among the people of God. Did we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ unyieldingly and unendingly 
Or did we carry on the ministry with an assumption that everyone sitting under our preaching already knows Jesus and already believes? I, I don't do that. I assume that on any given Sunday morning, there are folks sitting among the professing church who do not know Christ and who desperately need to hear once again the gospel of Jesus Christ. I assume that. Are we a gospel man? You see, I do not assume, again, that, that everyone knows him. I do not assume that everyone here has repented and believed in the God who wrapped himself in flesh and went, made a beeline for the cross and raised bodily on the third day from the dead. I, I don't assume that. So I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did we teach and exercise the discipline of the Lord in his church? That's an important one. Did we lead the church in faithful church discipline? In that formative discipline of the word, but also the regular church discipline that is on occasion very much needed. Were we faithful in, in church discipline? We need faithful shepherds who will apply that formative discipline of the word because they love the sheep who belong to Christ. And because we love the sheep who belong to Christ, we will practice church discipline. If we love the people of God, we're to be found faithful to Christ in that discipline. And so we admonish, as Paul says in the text, the people of God as we ought to, as we're supposed to. This, this word admonish comes from the word nuthateo. nuthateo. It, is, it is a word commonly used for nuthetic counseling or biblical counseling. Russell and I had a great conversation yesterday and spent some time talking about nuthetic counseling. This word nuthateo means to advise someone about avoiding wrongdoing. Using the scriptures to, to warn them is a necessary part of being an elder that we admonish the people of God. Did we practice church discipline? Verse 13 tells us that we are to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. The word there is a compound word, hupetic perisu. Got to work on saying that without butchering it. But it means, it means literally to love them super abundantly, to shower a super abundance of love on them because of their work. And so all that is the work of the elder in the church is to be the foundation of our esteem and love for the elder because he does God's work in this place and we are to love him for it and to hold them in high regard. Dear saints, do you love your elders? No show of hands. Do you Agape, your elders. Do you esteem them and honor them, as the word says, super abundantly in, in love? You love them because of their work and their labor among you. 
Romans 12, 10 through 11 says, love one another. That includes elders. Out, love them with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Yes, even to elders. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. When, when we, as the people of God, love our elders, we're serving the Lord. We're serving Christ. Because in order to be obedient to the scriptures, we have to love one another and therefore love our elders. Well, what is some practical application in the few minutes that I have left? Let me give you some practical suggestions. It's always helpful to to answer the question, okay, I, I understand I'm being told to love and honor and respect my elder. How do I do that? What can I do to, to do that? How can I meet that in practice? Number one, greet them with a smile. Greet them with a smile. Greet them with a smile and maybe a hug or, or a handshake if they're not a hugger, right? Um, when you see them, greet them with joy and gladness of heart. Some, someone might say, what about when I'm hurting and I'm, I'm not up to coming Sunday morning? That ever happened to you? You wake up Sunday morning and you're just discouraged and maybe you don't, you're not feeling it that morning. May I suggest to you that one of the best ways to get yourself out of the discouragement is to look outside yourself to someone else. I had a dear saint in my church not that long ago leave on on the chair where we sit in the front a card. Well, it's not my birthday. It's nothing special going on it was just want want you to know appreciate you Uh, just a little simple card wasn't much to it can I tell you something that's like a shot in the arm write them a card or write them an email and encourage them number two hospitality hospitality First Timothy 3 says the elder is to be hospitable. It is a requirement of the eldership that we are to be hospitable. And that doesn't just mean having people over for a meal. It means that we're, we're to be welcoming to people. We're to make them feel at home. We're, we're to genuinely love them in a hospitable way. Elders are to be hospitable. We all as believers are to practice hospitality. Have an elder for dinner, maybe with barbecue sauce. They got that back home. Third, pray for them continually and consistently. Can I say that this is probably should have been number one? Love them by praying for them and praying and, and, and praying for their ministry and, and praying for their marriage and their family. I said at the beginning of the message that one of the ways the devil loves to destroy a man's ministry is through his marriage. seen it 
Pray especially that God would keep them from the paneros, the evil one. Fourthly, love your elders by, if he's married, treating his wife well. Treating his wife well. It's been said that an elder sometimes has a target on his back, and, but the wife takes the shots. If you've ever heard that saying, but it's true. The longer you're in ministry, the more you know the truth of that statement. The elder has the target on his back, but the wife takes the shots. And often when the wife takes the shots, she has to be silent. She cannot respond. Love, honor, and respect your elders by loving their wives and praying for them. Maybe write her a note. Tell her how much you, you love and appreciate her ministry to her husband. So you might have thought I, wasn't, I was going to say something else, right? No, her ministry to her husband. Because, listen, by ministering to her husband faithfully in the home and caring for the home and the children, she's loving and ministering to you. The greatest ministry a Christian wife can have whose husband is in the ministry is to take care of her marriage and family. Pray for her in that. Fifthly, make sure make sure he gets time away with his family and his wife. We can be so consumed with ministry and the care of the church and the care of the souls of the people of God and the ministry of the word that we don't think about a vacation. I had a brother come to me a number of years ago when I was in Mountain Reformed, and he came up and he said, when are you taking a vacation? He wasn't smiling. He was serious. He says, get out of here. A couple of more. Number six, be a teachable Christian. Be teachable. When the ministry of the word comes your way, as it surely does, receive the word. Receive the word. Be a teachable Christian. This is so important. Paul says in the passage we just looked at, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't examine what's said in the light of scriptures, in the light of the scriptures, when, when the word is being preached or when it's being taught, the Christian is to have their Bible open. Amen? We're to examine what we're hearing in light of the text of scriptures. But you can do that and still be a teachable, teachable Christian. Number seven, honor them and love them because God has loved you and given you the gift of elders. He's given you the gift of elders. There are a lot of churches out there that are either without a pastor or they are without a man who should be a pastor. To turn on Christian television, you'll see what I mean. Honor and love them because God has given you the gift of elders. And finally, 
in doing all this simply be like Christ walk in love love one another and by all means yes that means love your elders too you see this is not about the elder or the pastor somehow being better than anyone else in the church we're not we have the same struggles as you do we have the same expectations the same concerns but an elder make no mistake is on the same ground before the cross as every other Christian it's not about not about the man it's about giving honor to Christ by giving respect and honor and by loving those men who minister in his name in his name you see when we honor and esteem and love those whom God has placed over us we, what we're really doing is loving Christ are we not and when we love Christ we love the elders who are over us and labor among us you want to shut the devil down? You want to shut him up? Love your church by loving your elders. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for just the straightforward, plain instruction that we're given in it. We pray for your church. I pray for this church. That as Jesus prayed, you would keep it from the evil one. From the Paneros. Strengthen it. Grow it ever more into the likeness of Christ Jesus. And may there be an incredible abundance of love found in this place for his glory. Amen.